Praise God. So we're continuing today in our series called We Are. We've been going through this whole The Family Values series. Um, last week, we shared we are commissioned. We are commissioned that we've been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been entrusted with the good news of Jesus. And it's our responsibility to share the good news. And we threw out a little challenge. Who, who took part in the challenge last week? I did. I did. Okay, the challenge was share your faith. I see that hand. Bless you, Margaret. Yeah. Yes. Um, the challenge was thrown out. Share your faith. Share your testimony with one person. And yesterday, praise God, I had a, the postman. <laughs> <laughs> so the postman came around and he got the gospel. He didn't know what he was in for. But no, we've got to share the gospel. Yeah. We are commissioned. God has commissioned us. He's entrusted us with this gospel. And today, we're going to start off, we're going to go, we are disciples. Amen. That's what this is all about. This Forge Ministry School is we are disciples, growing into all that God has called us to be, continually transformed by his word and spirit. And for the foundation scripture for today's message, it comes from Mark chapter 1. Who's got their Bible? Turn your Bibles. I love hearing the pages turn. Come on. Mark chapter 1. Come on. New Testament. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. Page 906. Okay. <laughs> Page 906. Okay. Mark chapter 1. And it says, And as he, that's Jesus, walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Makes sense, eh? Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and went after him. The, the, this is just Jesus calling the first of the disciples, Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, and James and John. And we're just going to focus on the one verse in verse 17, where Jesus says to them, verse 17, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. He says, follow me, and I will make you become. So Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were fishermen. But by following Jesus, by following him, he would make them become something else, fishers of men. And it's in, the like, in like manner, the same for us. As we follow Jesus, he will make us become. There will be a change. There will be a transformation. Remember that strap line says growing into all God has called us to be continually transformed. Continually transformed by his word and his spirit. But the key is in those two words. Follow me. Yeah. 
follow me, follow Jesus. He cannot and will not make us become anything unless we follow him. We have to follow him. And when you think of these, these four, out of these four men, Peter, Andrew, James and John, out of the four of them, three of them became Jesus' closest friends. Peter, James and John. Throughout the Bible, you see these, these, these three closest friends of Jesus, part of his inner circle, Peter, James and John. And just in brief, I'm going to just sort of give some highlights from one of these, a couple of these guys' lives. Now look at the life of Peter. Peter was a fisherman. Okay, we know that already. And we think he was quite skilled in catching fish, although he did have occasion where he had some difficulty. But that was all he knew. And Peter was uneducated. He was uneducated. He'd had no formal training in scriptures. He hadn't been to Bible college. He hadn't been to seminary. He hadn't even been to the forge yet. None of the above, okay? <laughs> but he had no training in scriptures, but even though he was a Jew, but he'd had no formal training. And um, Peter and his brother Andrew, they were the first people that Jesus called to follow him. I love Peter. I think I, think I can relate to him, you know? Because listen to how his character is described by scholars. He's outspoken, excitable, okay? I can see a few of you out there, excitable, headstrong, headstrong, oh, an all or nothing person. Peter was an all or nothing, he was all in or nothing, or not at all. Anybody can relate to that? Yeah. I know I can, I can put, relate to quite a few of that. He, he would also speak without thinking, you know, <laughs> a closed mouth gathers no feet. He, he didn't know that expression yet, but he would just speak. He wouldn't engage his brain. He just, whatever came, to, whatever came out, that was it. But this guy, Peter, after walking with Jesus for two years, he had, and he was still in the flesh, he wasn't born again, he wasn't made new, but he had the revelation that Jesus, he's the one that said, but you, when Jesus said, who do men say I am? And, and they said, you, they, some say this, some say that. And Jesus said to Peter, but who do you say I am? Yeah. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Yeah. And Jesus says these words, he says, flesh and blood, your natural self have not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven has revealed this to you, Peter, the natural Peter. Another thing about Peter was he, 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 was at, he was present at Jesus' transfiguration. Peter walked on water and sank, okay? But we won't hold that against him because how many of us have walked on water this week? Literally walked on water, okay? He walked on water and sank. And when Jesus asked him to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. When they came to arrest Jesus... What did he do? He chopped off the, the high priest's servant's ear. I mean, this guy, I just love him. I really do. I mean, it's, it's awful, but it's good. This, he also, he's the one, he declared his allegiance to Jesus. He declared his allegiance to Jesus and then denied him three times. At Jesus' most crucial hour, he denied Jesus three times. And yet after Jesus' crucifixion, we see Jesus restoring him on the beach over breakfast, 
Oh, isn't that just a wonderful scene, hey? How Jesus restored him. But then we fast forward to the day of Pentecost. We go to the day of Pentecost and we see Peter's there in that upper room. He's in that upper room and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And he preaches this most powerful message. And on that day, 3,000 people were added to the church, the Bible says. 3,000 in one sitting. Come on. I just think, come on, Jesus. So God used this guy, Peter, to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. This, this guy who didn't have any Bible knowledge, he was very limited, he wasn't educated, God used him. He was empowered with the, Holy, with the Holy Spirit. This Peter, who actually was martyred, he, he was crucified upside down. He said he, wasn't, he didn't count himself worthy to be crucified the same way as his Lord and Savior, Jesus. He said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't deserve to, to die the same way as Jesus, upside down. Oh. Man, this guy wrote two books of the New Testament, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. This guy, this, this guy who had no formal education, yeah. no, no career path, but look what God did with, the, with his life, with his life that was transformed. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter about your past. It really doesn't matter. But what will God do with a life that's been transformed? The other two people in that group, James and John. James and John, their father Zebedee, they were, they were son of Zebedee. And Zebedee was this hot-headed fisherman. And so were they. James and John were called the sons of thunder. I'm gonna try and say this in the Greek. No, I can't say it. I can't, boanagi, boanagis, boanagis. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sons of thunder, boanagis. But that denotes fiery and destructive zeal that may be likened to a thunderstorm. This is the James and John, sons of thunder. Guess what? They were also with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were also there. And oh, I was reading through Luke yesterday, Luke chapter, chapter 9, and um, there were all these multitudes of people following Jesus. And the disciples said, send them away, Jesus. And I'm sure, uh, it doesn't say that, but I'm convinced it was, it was John. I'm sure it was James and John that said, you know, these sons of, these sons of thunder, you know, this fiery and destructive zeal. <laughs> they said, send them away. Tell them to go sort themselves out. Instead, Jesus goes and feeds 5,000 people. You know, he performs that, mir that miracle. And these two guys when they were traveling with Jesus, they, they wanted to punish the Samaritans because the Samaritans wouldn't accept Jesus. So they said, do you want me to call down fire from heaven? You know, this is, these are these godly guys. He said, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? Let's wipe them out, Jesus. And Jesus says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. The Son of Man didn't come to destroy lives. He came to save them. And I love the fact that Jesus, Jesus didn't, he rebuked them for, for what they said, but he didn't reject them. He did rebuke them. And I think, you know, sometimes we, we sometimes come to God and we think, I know that everything's okay. He loves me. 
despite what I do, despite what I go through. And I'm sorry to say this to you. He loves you, but he doesn't always accept everything that we say and do, okay? There is a place of discipline. He disciplines those whom he loves, yes. because he loves us. Yes. You know, if your child wanted to go and stick their fingers in the light socket, you wouldn't just say, oh, I love you, darling. No, you'd tell them, listen, yeah. kiddo, you don't do that. No, you discipline those whom you love. So Jesus rebuked them, but he didn't reject them. Instead, he says, follow me, follow me, follow me. And that's what they did. So John, the son of thunder, this hot-headed fisherman is the same guy that became known as the disciple who Jesus loved. He became the John the Beloved, the apostle of love. That's the same John. John lived well into his 90s. He was on the island of Patmos when he, when he eventually died, but he wrote five books of the New Testament, five books. And of those five, four of them were written between the ages of 85 and 100. Wow. He, he lived a long life. He was, I think he was 96 when he died. So I just want to say, throw something out there. You're never too old, okay? Age is not an excuse. You're never too old. You're never too old. John's life was transformed. He was transformed at, at, on the day of Pentecost as well, where we received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But his life was transformed. He wrote, um, he wrote these um, five books of the New Testament. And we see, remember last week, we shared from Matthew 28. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Matthew 28 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And just, to, just by way of explanation, we cannot put the cart in front of the horse here. We cannot go make unless we first come follow. We've got to first come follow before we can go and make. Come follow must precede go and make. We cannot teach unless we're taught. We cannot evangelize unless we ourselves are evangelized. And we cannot make disciples until we are discipled and I love the fact that he says in this he says Jesus says go therefore and make disciples of all nations he doesn't say go make Christians of all nations you know Christians the word Christian appears in the Bible three times in the New Testament and Christian a Christian means a follower of Christ that's that's what it, that's what it actually means so we are Christians because we are followers of Christ. But being a Christian sort of packages it, if you like. Yeah. It's, it's who we are. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it's, it sounds like an awful thing to say, I'm packaging this or labeling like this. But it's, a Christian is who we are. But instead he says, make disciples. That word disciple appears in the New Testament 261 times. So there's, there's, there's purpose in making disciples. He's not saying just make Christians. Yeah. 
make disciples. A disciple is a learner. He's a, a, a pupil, a follower, an imitator. It's what we are. Christian is who we are. But disciple is what we are or what we ought to be. That scripture in Mark 1.17, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And look at it in the Amplified. Johnny, you're brilliant today. Thank you. Isn't he great? He's great every Sunday. <coughs> he says, follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walk. You know, he's, he's saying, accept me as your master and teacher and walking in the same path of the life that I walk. As a follower of Jesus, we are to be walking in the same direction yeah. as Jesus. He's going in this direction. I want, I want to go where he is. I want to be where he is. You know, if he's not in something, I don't want to be part of it. I want to be wherever he is. It's about setting your heart in valuing him and his ways. It's about setting your affection. Follow me. It's about setting your affection, your values. What you value sets your direction. So many, however many years ago, I was working quite comfortably employed as an accountant in a well big company based in London and we felt the Lord say it's time to stop and I did I was like but choo, where's all that money going to come from something like, like Agnes and, and Mandy were sharing this morning but we knew this is, this is where God God would provide but this is the direction this was our this, was our, this has been our passion for 31 years. This is our direction. Our values set our direction. Your affection sets your direction. Wherever your direction is, that's, you set your affection and your direction follows. There's a scripture in Psalm 63. It says, my soul follows close behind you. Amen. Hey, I want to go where Jesus is. I don't want to go. I don't want to veer off. I want to stay true, true north. So to be a follower of Jesus means first and foremost that we're going in the same direction as him. Peter, um, in Acts chapter 3, he, 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 he preaches this amazing message. In Acts chapter 3, he says, Repent therefore, hallelujah. <laughs> you got to speak it like a rhino bonky man. <laughs> Repent, hallelujah. <laughs> and be converted. Those that were asleep or awake, I got you all your attention. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be obliterated so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You know what? I love the scripture because do you know what? That word repent is the Greek word. You didn't know this. It was metanoia. Metanoia. I've been practicing that all week. And it means to change your mind. To repent means to change your mind, to think differently, to reconsider. It actually means to turn away from. To repent means to turn away from. But he doesn't just say repent. 
turn away from, but he says, and be converted. That word converted means turn towards. Turn towards. So turn to the worship of the one true God. So in other words, repentance isn't just about turning away from and turning away from your sin. It is. It's turning away from your sin, but turning towards God. It's not either or. It's not just repentance. It's not just conversion. It's both. It's to be fully converted. Being a disciple is not an add-on. It's not an optional extra. Being Becoming a disciple of Jesus is part, it's an ongoing process. It's part of our conversion. You know, I was thinking about the fact that Peter, James, and John, they walked with Jesus physically for three years, only for three years. And even though they had sporadic moments of revelation, walking on water, and all these amazing things that they did, the internal change only came about on that day of Pentecost when they were born again, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Peter continued walking in the flesh right up to Jesus' crucifixion. He protecting himself, denying Jesus, chopping off someone's ear. That's what, Je- that's what Peter was doing. But, and Jesus restored him. But after Pentecost, mm-hmm. that's when the real change started because then it was no longer walking with Jesus for three years, limited to his, uh, to his being. It was Christ in us. It was Christ in Peter, Christ in John, Christ in James, Christ in those 3,000 that were added to the church that day. Christ in us. And you, you know, just from, from Acts chapter 3 there, we read when Peter and John, they're in the temple, and they're at this place called the, 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 the Gate Beautiful, and there's a man lame from birth, and he's begging, because he, he had no form of income, and he was begging from everybody that was going into the temple. And, and, and Peter and John go and approach this guy, and he, and he says, look at me. Look at me, Peter says to him, look at me. And God looks at him, like expecting to receive something. And Peter says, silver and gold I do not have. But such as I do have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the guy, lame from his mother's womb, gets up and walks and leaps and praising God. And there's a beautiful kid's song that we sang years ago. I love this. Love this. When Jesus called out the 12 disciples, Mark chapter 3. <coughs> sorry, Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. This is when Jesus is now, now we've got all these disciples following Jesus. But in, in, in Mark 3, 13 and 14, it says, And when he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and he called to him those he himself wanted And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. You know what? These these 12 that Jesus appointed, they were with him. This wasn't wasn't just um, like discipleship uh, classroom setting. It wasn't a classroom setting. 
They were with him. They might be with him. They were listening to him. They were watching him. They were like apprentices. This, they, they were getting first-hand training from the master. First-hand training. He was saying, this is how you pray. This is how you lay hands on the sick. This is how you cast out devils. But they, so it was like a master class. A bit like the forge, you know? It's a bit like the forge. But this is a bit what it was. Hearing, hearing from the master, being that apprentice, hearing from God. And then we read, so that was in, in, in Mark chapter 3, when Jesus is calling, setting aside these disciples. But for us, Jesus said to us, said, said to the disciples in John 16, it's expedient for you that I go away. It's expedient for you that he goes to the Father so that he could send us the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So salvation, when we respond to Jesus' call to follow him, his Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. And at that time, when, when, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we made new creatures, we washed clean, we are adopted into God's family. And I love this, God doesn't just patch up your old life. He doesn't say, okay, let me see, what, how, can, how can I fix you? Instead, he gives us a new life. Yes. When, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Yes. The old is gone, the new has come. The new has come in Christ. We were adopted, adopted as sons and daughters, but we need to receive that adoption, all that that adoption offers. We need to fully embrace it. And I was thinking earlier of a child, you know, I'm talking about adoption, but not of a baby, but if you were to adopt a child, an older child, five years old and onwards or so, when that child is adopted, it's up to that child to adopt the values and the culture of its new family, of its adopted family. It's up to that child to accept and to adopt the new values. And in the same way, we need Jesus. We are adopted by God. And we need to, it's up to us to embrace all that God has for us. We need to adopt his ways. We need to adopt his ways. And remember, when we're born again, it's our spirit that is born again. Mm. It's, our, it's our spirit man that was separated from God. But when we get born again, our spirit man is made new. But there's part of us, the soul, which is separate to the, to the spirit, the soul, is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And um, man, those parts of us are not born again. They're not born again, but they can get sanctified as a, as a process. But we can still live in unrenewed ways. You know, when I got born again, I was um, smoking about 40 cigarettes a day, and um, I was just surrounded by this blue haze. <laughs> you know, everywhere I went, there was this blue haze. It was disgusting. And, um, but, and then I got born again. That's a darkness to light. I've seen the light. Jesus is my savior. But I still carried on smoking. And it took a couple of months. And then somebody prayed for me, and that was it. I stopped smoking in an instant. I didn't know I could, didn't even know I could do that, you know. I thought, this is it. This is, this is what I do. I've got into this habit. But it did take a while. And I still went through cold turkey. 
It, I still struggled, but God strengthened me through it. And so that's what happens, though, is that we can be following Jesus. We can be going in the same direction as him, but every now and then, a bit of the old Peter or the old John pops up. Sons of thunder suddenly manifests in our lives. You know, it's a bit like playing the game of Monopoly. Is everybody, everybody knows about the game of Monopoly, hey? And um, right at the beginning, you, you know, you go past go, and I think the very first property is a place called Old Kent Road. And it's one of, the, it's that brown color. And nobody ever really wants it. You know, you always want to buy Park Lane or Mayfair, you know, and put hotels on the Strand and Fleet Street and all those nice fancy ones. No one really cares too much about Old Kent Road. But that's what we can be like. I mean, in a game of Monopoly, you, you'd get one of those cards, that community chest card or a chance, and it says, go back to Old Kent Road. And you're just before you're about to go and collect 200, and suddenly you've got to go all the way back and redo that whole visit all over again. And that's what sometimes can happen in our lives. We think, no, oh, we're okay, we're doing okay. Boop, out comes Sons of Thunder. Where did that come from? Oh, I've just gone back to Old Kent Road. Guess what? I'm going to have to re. I'm going to have to walk around this mountain again. We only have to walk, walk walk around this mountain again. Which is why James says, James says to us, receive with meekness the implanted word, this word of God, which is able to save your soul. Yeah. You're able to save your soul. It's our soul that needs saving, man. Yeah. Uh, it's truth. <laughs> so, this is what saves our soul. This is what makes us to become the Bible, the Word of God. This is what makes us to become. I love what Peter wrote, 1 Peter 2, 2. He says, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Yeah. The Word of God causes us to grow. Desire it, the pure milk of the word. Mm. You know, let's not get like giraffe Christianity. You know, where man, we're talking about, you know, how many, I can't even think of some of this weird stuff that you hear nowadays. I just think, man, just, just can we just get back to basics? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus went to the cross. He paid the price. I'm saved. Amen. I'm a work in progress and so are you. So let's just get along, love one another, love Jesus, yeah. and that's it. Let's just, there's, there's, time is short. Yeah. We can't be wasting time. It's not a waste of time, waste of time. You know what I'm saying? But let's just get back to basics. I, I just love it. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We've just recently watched uh, an animal program called, what is it called? Shamwari or something. It's brilliant. And in this, this, um, this game park in South Africa, um, they get in all these animals that have been orphaned. And, um, and just recently, they had a hippo, they had a giraffe, they had rhino, all these little orphans, and they have to feed them with, a, with the milk. With the milk, they, they can't just give them water, they need milk, and they bottle feed a giraffe and bottle feed a rhino because they need to grow thereby with that milk. Let's go desire the pure milk yes. of the word, that we may grow thereby, that we may grow. 2 Peter 3.18 says, grow 
in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the way that we learn about God, is through the word. We cannot learn about God just through some experience. We cannot learn about God, about his nature, about his character, just by an experience. But we can experience him through the word. When we see what he does and how he provides and what he's done historically, but how that manifests in our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, we can't be reliant and dependent on goosebumps. You know, goosebumps come and go. But uh, we can experience God through his word. And he says, grow in the grace and knowledge. Grow. It's not about, it's not about having fat heads and thin hearts. You know, let's not just become uh, fat-headed and thin hearts. Uh, no, grow in the grace and the knowledge of God and his ways. Grow in the understanding. Understand the goodness of God. Understand the faithfulness of God. Understand the kindness of God. Let's grow in the grace and the knowledge of who God is. And as we do this, God is going to make us become. What you behold is what you become. As we, as we read about him, we learn about him, we start changing from the inside out. It's our want to changes. When I, when I got saved and I was smoking those 40 cigarettes a day, it was one of the first things was like, this weed is controlling me. And I didn't like it. I had never thought of it that way before. That weed dictated where I could sit, where I could go, where I couldn't go. And I didn't like it. So I, my want to changed. I didn't want it anymore. I said, Please pray for me. I need to stop this. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, by changing the way you think, about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's a, a series on its own. We won't be able to touch on it today. But it's about changing the way we think. And we'll end with this, 2 Corinthians 3.18. <coughs> 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, but we all, I love that. There's an invitation for everybody. But we all, with unveiled face, with no masks, no separation, nothing, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. <coughs> we all, with unveiled face, we've turned away from and we're turning towards Jesus. And as we do this, we are being transformed. I love what the Amplified says. We are progressively being transformed. It doesn't just happen overnight. When you look at the life of Peter, when you look at the life of John, it took years. Peter wrote First and Second Peter after he'd been saved for 30 years. That's when he wrote First and Second Peter. He was in his 60s. John, when he was in his late 80s, he wrote four of those books. 
so we learn from him, we become like him, we imitate him, I'm discipled by him. He says, follow me and I will make you, I will transform you. So as we follow him, as we walk in the same direction as him, we're on that journey. We're going to go from strength to strength. He's going to transform us. He's going to take us from glory to glory. And so today I just want to end with an invitation to change. Am I a church attender or am I a disciple? Am I a follower? Am I an imitator of Jesus? What am I? That's number one. Don't tell me your answer, okay? You've got to work it out between you and God. Am I just a church attender or am I a disciple? Am I a follower? Am I an imitator of Jesus? And the second question is, am I still growing? Am I still growing? We're called to grow into all things in Christ. I loved what Mandy shared there about iron sharpens iron. You can't do this alone. We're called to the body of Christ. We're called to the body of Christ, and this is where growth starts. This is where it happens. When, when, when iron sharpens iron, that's all I'm going to leave it there before I say the wrong thing, but iron sharpens iron. We need each other. We do need each other.